Welcome to First Christian Church online and on Fox Channel 55. We're so glad you took some time to join us this morning. You may be new to First Christian Church and you may be asking, who are these people? Well, real simply, we're just a, we're a multi-site church that likes to empower our people to reach out to where they live, and where they work, and where they play. Our mission is to help each other follow Jesus. That's who we are. We're starting a new series today called Chasing Carrots. And the truth of the matter is, we all chase something, don't we? Uh, Whether it's a career or a relationship, there's always something in our life that we're trying to chase after to grab hold of, but what would it look like for us to grab hold of something that's eternal, that really matters for us? You know, two months ago, I don't think any of us thought life would be the way it is today. COVID-19 was really something that was on the other side of the pond, right? And then all of a sudden it began to get in our backyard. We started watching uh, the, the cases. How many people maybe caught COVID-19 in our county uh, and then in our state? And then we began to watch the deaths in our county and in our state. And all of a sudden it's become very real to us That COVID-19 is not something far off, but it's something that we all need to be concerned about. And what's begun to happen in our lives is we maybe have begun to reevaluate, to think about some things. We're going to wrestle with, you know, how do our our friends and neighbors get the N95 masks for our, our healthcare workers? How do we help our police and fire departments as they're standing in harm's way on our behalf? How do we help school teachers figure out how to put classroom lessons together and help students who are at home? How do we even begin to figure out how to help the small businesses, the restaurant owners, the family store owners? How do we begin to help them as well? But I think when we think beyond that, we, we can find solutions to some of these other areas, but how do you begin to quantify the concern, the anxiety, or even our fear? We begin to think about the disruption of our economy. We begin to embrace even some feelings of isolation and loneliness. And it causes us to begin to think, to evaluate, to look inside and really wrestle with what are we chasing in our life. And it begins a clash of perspectives. The perspective of certainty, what I know and what I control, and uncertainty, what could happen And what may be. Uncertainty seems like we have little control at all while we shelter in place or stay at home. Certainty reminds us that God is in control. God is with us and God is working in this moment. And every moment of our life, his will and his purpose is good. Uncertain reality begins to uh, make us focus on what's unknown to us. What we cannot control while certainty is That while we do not have control of everything, we know that God is in control. Two months ago, I think we had no idea of how COVID-19 might really impact our walk or our lives. But it is crucial for us to understand that those circumstances change in our lives. God is always at work in our world. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open up uh, to Mark 
chapter 4. Now, Mark chapter 4 is actually one of the first four books of the Bible. We call them the Gospels because they tell the life story of who Jesus is, what his life was about, and the purpose for his death, his burial, his resurrection. Now, Mark is the second book in the New Testament. And Mark is one of the shortest books, but it gives real-life examples of the, the teaching and life of Jesus and how he interacted with people. The setting goes something like this, right? And Jesus has been teaching all day, and after a long discourse of teaching, he actually wants to, to head out across what they call the Sea of Galilee, which is actually like a, a very large lake. And he says, let's head out to the other side. And so they begin to head out, and a storm brews up, and ironically, we'll find out that Jesus is asleep, and everyone else is caught in this storm wondering, what is going on? Here's what it says in Mark chapter 4. We'll start in about verse 35. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along, otherwise it's here on the screen with it. It says this, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, or to his followers, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Now, this is where we understand a little bit of the context or the background of this story. It had become evening, and the beginning of Mark chapter 4 actually says that Jesus began at the beginning of the day. And so he's been teaching all day, and frankly, I think he's exhausted. And if you're a teacher, you get that. A day full of teaching can wear you out. But Jesus was leaving as he was. And that phrase just says, uh, they, while he was teaching, he was actually in a boat. And he said, let's just go. He didn't go back to shore to grab anything. Now, what's unique about this area is that it was set up with a terrain that people could gather along the shoreline. And it would kind of create a little amphitheater. People could hear his voice. But he would set out a little bit from the crowd in the boat. So he's, he's a few feet out from the actual shore in the water, but casting his voice in a way that everyone can hear. But then it says he's in a boat. That's where he's standing. That's where he's teaching. But there are other boats with him. And it's interesting that Mark's perspective is reminding everybody that there's other people in this story which I think foreshadows maybe a little bit of what happens when we get caught in the storm and maybe we lose a bit of our perspective. Here's what I'm beginning to learn a little bit as I studied into this passage is that God gives us a new day. And with every new day, there is a morning and an evening, a chance for us to give our lives back to God for his glory and his purposes and to make the most of every opportunity. But in our life, for God's glory and God's honor, we must be reminded that God is with us, that God's in the boat with us, and we are not alone. Here's what it says as you go on to verse 37. It says this, a furious squall, a storm came up, and the waves broke against the boat so that, was, so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? I can only imagine the, the situation that's going on, but we begin to realize the crisis of what's happening here. 
Now, understand in this boat, this isn't just uh, friends hopped into a boat and they rented it at some park and they're going across this lake on their own. No, there are men in this boat who understand how to fish. They understand how to step out in this situation. They understand how to navigate the storms. But the reality was in that culture, in that time, in that region, storms often did not come in the morning or in the night but it came in between uh, in the later evenings. And so they're finding themselves in a moment where they're caught off guard and they're just wrestling with, where did this storm come from? They didn't see it happening. But he erupts and cool, the cool streams from the water that come from the west and the winds that go over the top create this unique environment where storms can just happen in a moment. So we find this out. A storm erupts and Jesus is found asleep on a cushion. Now imagine this for a moment. There's, a, there's this boat that several friends are gathered in and they're, they're sailing across this large lake or they call it the Sea of Galilee. Now at the front of the boat in the stern, there's an opportunity for a guest to kind of relax and stay there. And oftentimes there's a pillow that's in the stern and people would be able to sit there or relax or find comfort while everyone else took care of the navigation. Mark makes this point to begin to let everyone know that Jesus is where he's supposed to be. He's not the one that's supposed to be navigating, but he's up in the stern of the boat and he took not just the pillow, he took the only pillow that anybody could find to find comfort in the middle of this storm. I find it a little bit ironic. I find it funny. But Jesus, while he's in this storm and he's comfortable, he's asleep, everyone, in the, everyone else in the boat begins to ask this question. Doesn't Jesus care? Does Jesus even care if we're going to drown? I think in a lot of ways we feel the magnitude of this moment, don't we? Does Jesus care about people's lives who are in danger? I think it resonates deeply within our heart. And as we hear this uh, out of this message, you begin to put this even in our own context, into our own lives right now. And we really begin to ask questions. It, does God understand this COVID-19 storm that we're in right now? Does God care about the sick and the hurting or healthcare workers that are standing in harm's way for us? Does God care about the children who uh, should be in Education opportunities right now who their teachers are fighting and struggling to get everything to them from meals to classroom homework. Does Jesus even care? God, how could you make this happen? It's my senior year. I was planning to go to prom. God, I'm missing out on everything that was going to be my last and it's not even going to happen. God, are you at sleep? Are you at sleep while the rest of us have to go through this alone? Think about this for a moment. The disciples, the followers, didn't, didn't know of the storm that was coming. And while we knew something was coming, we didn't, we didn't know the severity of it. We didn't understand it. Some of us played it off. Some of us jumped on it right away. But we didn't understand. But God did. God knew this was coming. And God is... God is not asleep. And I even think in this passage, yes, Jesus is sleeping, but I think it's because he's at peace. There's no storm. There's no sickness. There's no issue of evil in this world that God is frightened of. 
And God knows exactly what needs to happen. And I want you to know this though, that even though God knows what's going to happen and God is able to make immeasurably more happen than we could ask or imagine, God welcomes our questions. God welcomes our emotion, our anger, our frustration. God's shoulders are big enough that when we bring these concerns to him, God cares. Because in these moments, when people question God, God often steps up to the plate and does a miracle. Look what happens in the coming verses. Speaking of Jesus, says this, He got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus shows up when the disciples begin to question and he does a miraculous work in nature. This is where we see Jesus as the Christ. This is where we see Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. I mean, look at it. Jesus stops for a moment and he rebukes the wind and the waves. He says, knock it off. Be done. He looks at his disciples with a calm voice. He just speaks to them. Why why are you afraid? Why don't you have any faith? He's really kind of asking them, don't you you know who I am? Clearly, there was some confusion with the disciples. Maybe they only saw Jesus as a great teacher. Maybe they saw Jesus as someone who did incredible works. But to fully understand who he was had not quite come to light in their life. Who is this man? Here's what happens. The disciples respond in awe when they begin to realize who Jesus is. I love what Colossians chapter 1 says about Jesus. It says that Jesus, the Son, is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. This is what Mark is trying to bring everybody to, is that while this storm is happening, there's this epiphany. While this crisis is in our lives, there's this epiphany that we all begin to realize who is Jesus and what role does Jesus play in our lives? It's as if Mark is saying this. Well, Jesus, he's God in flesh. He's fully God. He's fully man. Jesus He's the one who spoke creation into existence. He hung the sun and the moon and the stars. That's who Jesus is. And when we begin to think about Jesus, we're reminded of his death, his burial and resurrection, that he is the one that through his blameless life could offer himself as a living sacrifice on our behalf, bringing reconciliation between God and humanity back together again so that we might experience the forgiveness of sins and we might have life everlasting. Who is this man? Well, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is who we have all longed to know. The challenge, though, begins to be this. When we're caught in these storms of life, we begin to wrestle 
with who Jesus is. Is he truly God? Can he be the Lord of our life? Not only can he save us from our sins, but can he be the ruler of our will and our way? Can we surrender our life to him? It begins to ask this question of us. Are we self-reliant or God-reliant? Am I dependent on myself or am I dependent on God? Well, let me just say it plain and simple. Are we living his way or my way? Think about that. What is your life built on? Do you find yourself chasing these carrots, uh, your wallet, your career, your relationship, and you find yourself just temporarily finding some sort of happiness or some sort of motivation, but you're always grinding it out, hoping to somehow find significance in something greater than yourself, and you're left hungry, unsatisfied. How much can we really control right now? I mean, when we look at the battle of our will, what, what can we control in this understanding of social distancing and our schedule and our habits? Now, right now, we can't control much. Now, we can control some of our routine. Now, some of us don't have a choice in the amount of income that we get to manage. Oh, we're watching corn prices drop. And as we look at the future, everything about these circumstances, everything about the temporary leaves us wanting more. Friends, can I tell you this truth? That chasing hope is found in Jesus. Everything else we chase is temporary. But to come to know the person of Jesus is where we find a satisfaction for all of eternity. If there's anything that I think we need to wrestle to the ground during this season of COVID-19. It's, the, it's this. It's that hope is not found in my wallet, in my career, in the government, in public education, not even in my family. All of these only provide temporary relief when real hope comes from a relationship with God. Not, 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 not. Don't get me wrong. I love my family. I do. But they are limited on how they might be able to respond and, and how they might be able to fulfill my world and my life for all of eternity. And I love our nation. I love our government. I love our teachers. I love our, our police department, our fire department. I, lo- I love everything about our community. The only thing that will ever truly satisfy us, the only hope that we could ever grab hold of that can sustain all of our life is a relationship with God. That's why I like what the psalmist says. The psalmist says this. He says in, verse, in Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake in their surging. Psalm 121 says this, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. And where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Truth of the matter is this. Our world is falling apart. 
Our world is falling apart. And our hope cannot be something that's passing and fleeting that shows up in a moment and gone in another. It needs to be secured in a relationship with God that can satisfy our soul for an entire eternity. And this sets up a moment for us. This is a moment that's ideal in history for when we feel far from God or feel confused or or maybe feel like God's asleep. These are the moments that are ideal for God to show up and do an incredible work within our homes and our work, our play. This is ideal for God to step up, for the presence of Jesus to be seen, for us to step away from fear towards faith. And when we step away from fear towards faith, we begin to be a people that live a life of love, the love that God has for us and the love that God has for all people. It's a time when the church becomes mobilized. Recently, I read an article that talked about the early church in in AD 200 and 300 and two different pandemics hit the early church And it was how the church responded that began to impact the world around us. The way followers of Jesus responded in compassion and mercy began to be the presence of Jesus being lived out in real time with other people so much that people were drawn in in moments of crisis to understand who this Jesus really is. There's a historian, St. Dionysus, who writes some of this and talks about a pandemic that came in AD 249 to 262, over a decade worth of a pandemic. History says that most of Western civilization was knocked out. It was devastated. The city of Rome lost 5,000 people. And he speaks about this, about how Christians respond. He says this, most of our brother, brother Christians showed up unbounded love and showed unbounded loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to every need, ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors cheerfully accepting their pains. Now my challenge for you today is not to, not to go and take somebody else's sickness on. No, I, I think we need to honor what's been asked of us, of our officials, to stay at home. But there's a part of us that we're probably going to need to figure out how to respond, how to care, how to show up and be the presence of God in restricted times. You know, the person of Jesus, the presence of Jesus shows up through Jesus and his followers. It's when the church rises up in obedience and begins to step out in love and compassion. Not in crazy thought of just doing something reckless, but recognizing when there's a real need in a real moment that only you may be able to fill. When, does, when do we see Jesus' presence show up in the world around us? It's when we're, we're making homemade masks for our local hospital. It's when we're writing encouragement cards to healthcare workers. It's when we're sending notes and postcards to uh, students and children to encourage them to stay active, to stay focused, both on their work at school and their faith in God. It's, it's praying regularly for safety and for protection for all of us and wisdom for those who actually have to stand out and help in this time of need. 
But what could we do as a church? Friends, we have a unique opportunity right now as a church to maybe even mobilize ourselves in the way that we give of ourselves. First Christian Church is committed to opening up a COVID-19 relief fund. And here's how it's going to work. We're going to encourage everyone to use the Give app to respond in generosity back to God. But every first-time gift through the Give app for the entire month of April, no matter its amount, is going to be leveraged towards relief. Now, if you already have a recurring gift, we, we will leverage that to be able to continue to empower the mission of our church. And we would want to encourage you to consider giving above and beyond to help in this relief. But the COVID-19 relief fund will go towards three things. First of all, food relief. We are going to begin to partner with Stone Creek Church and help the food pantry that they're a part of to provide enough food that we can help almost a thousand households total. With all the churches partnering through this food pantry, we're going to partner with a thousand households to provide enough food for a week for a household. Not just a student, but a household. The second thing that it's going to go towards is helping in benevolence. This is general kindness towards those in need. And the third will be minister, ministry partner relief. Uh, we have missionaries and we have non-for-profit organizations that unfortunately are becoming vulnerable financially because some are needing to pull back to care for themselves. This is a great way to serve the future. There's things that are going to come that we're going to have a chance to respond in volunteerism. But right now, the best thing you can do is help us prepare so that we can respond in generosity to those in need. Friends, one day we will tell stories about COVID-19. And my prayer is that when the world talks about COVID-19, they talk about the presence of Jesus showing up through the local church. And they're reminded that God is with them in their boat and that God is calming this storm and God is bringing us peace. Let's pray. God, our hope is only found in you. And so God, I ask for those of us that may be wrestling with uh, some real life scenarios right now. Maybe we've never surrendered our life to you. And God, what we want to do is accept you we want you to be the Lord and Savior of our life. God, we give our life to you. Maybe for some of us, we're saying we haven't surrendered our life in baptism. We've talked about how we believe, but, but now we're ready to surrender. God, whatever your spirit is doing in us, may we be alerted. May we be woke up in this moment that we might be able to respond in obedience to whatever you're calling us towards. And God, would you stir our hearts towards generosity to help those who are in need. God, thank you for being in the storm. Thank you for being in our boat. Thank you for being Lord of the storm and the Lord of our lives. Sin, Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. You know, I don't know uh, about you, but there's a lot of carrots that I find myself chasing after at this season of life. If you were to open our fridge at home, uh, you'll notice that it's got this drawer chock full of what my son affectionately calls Olaf noses. 
But this idea of chasing carrots is to be a reminder for us. It's kind of how Danny put it at the start of the message this morning, that we're all chasing after something. And that's the question for you this morning is, is what do you find that you're chasing after? Because there's a lot of carrots in this life that seem to be just slightly out of reach. Things that we're, we're just barely not able to grab a hold of. And this morning's message, I think, spoke directly to a lot of us that that carrot that we find ourselves searching after, that our community and our society is looking for, is hope. And hope's, hope's not a bad thing. Hope is a great thing. But how do we find an appropriate hope that doesn't just get us through this season, but lasts for eternity? I just, I love the way that that final verse in the passage that Danny shared with us this morning that they were terrified and asked each other, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Here's the thing that we want to remind you with this morning that we want to celebrate is that the hope of Jesus isn't just to get you through this season. The hope that Jesus offers you is not just to give you a little bit of relief through the COVID-19 crisis. The hope that Jesus brings is a hope that lasts for all eternity. That that same man who was fully God, fully man, who has the ability to create the world, to breathe life into our lungs, to tell the winds and the storms and the rain to quit, to stop purely at the power of his voice. That same God loves you. He cares for you. So much so that he offered himself to be the sacrifice so that he could extend to us a hope that lasts for eternity. That we have a sin that infects us all. A sin that we need to conquer. And the hope that Jesus gives to each and every one of us is that we don't have to pay the price that God wrathfully dealt with Jesus on the cross so that he wouldn't have to deal that wrath to us. And so anyone who professes faith, repents of their sin, and says yes to the hope found in the work of Jesus alone, receives a hope, not just for this life, but a hope that extends to us for all eternity. And that's the hope that we wanna celebrate and remember with you this morning. And so whether you've been a Christian your whole life, whether you're wrestling with God right now, we invite you to respond to the good news, the gospel message, the hope that through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, that that hope is real for us all. There's many ways that you can respond along with us this morning to the hope of Jesus. I encourage you, if you go onto this website, fcc-online.org forward slash Sunday, there's a different ways that you can interact with us. You can fill out prayer requests. You can fill out a form to connect with our church. You can fill out a form to connect with other people in some of our groups that are meeting through the Zoom platform to help us all get through this together. That just because we're social distancing doesn't mean we're in spiritual isolation from one another. 
There's also uh, info and ways for you to fill out more about the Give app, G-Y-V-E. You can download that, follow the prompts, look up our church, First Christian Church, Champaign or Urbana, and find out more how to begin giving, whether for the first time or to be reoccurring so that we can all be a benefit of hope and a beacon of light for our community. But one of the ways we respond to the hope of Jesus each and every week as a church body is through communion. So right now is a great time if you want to do this with us to grab, whether it's that cracker or that juice, to respond through communion. That Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus also lifted up the juice And he said, this is my blood spilt for you. Take and drink. Would you continue to respond to the message of hope with us this morning?